G'day everybody, and for those who've come in late, you're listening to Expand the Phantom Podcast. Please subscribe to us via your favourite podcast player or YouTube, and do not forget to leave a review. 500 years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck, and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy. Injustice and cruelty And all my sons will follow me So evildoers will believe That this man cannot die The Phantom The ghost who walks The Phantom Enemies beware The Phantom's always there But you won't find the Phantom He finds you We are the x The Phantom Podcast From Chronicle Chamber our website is chroniclechamber.com and you can contact us via email, which is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. My name is Jermaine and today I am joined by myself. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Dan and Stephen, who normally join us, um, have been held up with some, uh, some scary circumstances. Uh, so we wish them all the best uh, in this crazy time of the world that we live in. Um, but we've got a very special guest, um, and I'm very, very excited uh, to introduce Luke McDonnell, who is the artist from the DC regular series. Uh, now, in podcast 155, we were joined by Mark Vernhannon, who was the writer, and that podcast was one of our more popular ones, and everyone demanded that we get Luke on uh, to talk about this excellent comic book series. So uh, how are you, Luke? I'm doing good. Thanks. That's good. Uh, can you believe that we uh, that we want to talk to you about a comic book series that was written uh, 30 years ago and drawn 30 years ago? Yeah, it's hard to believe. Is it really 30 years? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it was what was 89 and 90. Um, so yeah, so uh, it's but. In saying that, it's a series that um, still speaks a lot of truth in to today's society, which is kind of scary that maybe we aren't as um, evolved as, as we thought we were. There's disease, there's racism, <laughs> um, there's you know, pirates, there's gun running, there's poverty, there's famine. Uh, what was in the papers and happening 30 years ago is still happening today. Um, which is, which is kind of, which is kind of scary. Um, now when we talked to Mark, we asked him about, uh, about the series with the real problems. Um, was that something that you were pretty keen to do as well to have the series talking about current problems? Oh yeah, I am. It sounded like, uh, the best way to go. I mean, I didn't have a lot of input as far as the scripts, but when he told me this was the approach he was going to take, you know, I was all for it. Um, it just seemed like the right thing to do, how to keep this character super relevant. Mm. So, yeah, it was, I, w I was totally on board with it. Yeah. Now, am I correct in saying that you were a Phantom fan before this series? Yeah. I actually, my brother and I collected the, uh, <clears throat> the comic strips 
we'd cut them out every day and put them, paste them in our little scrapbook. And uh, I think we filled a whole scrapbook full of um, phantom strips. This was when Cy Barry was doing it. We just, we loved Cy Barry's stuff. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure that scrapbook is around somewhere. I don't know where, but. <laughs> yeah. So what, what was it about the character that you liked? Was there other newspaper strips that you liked as well, or was it mainly the Phantom? Um, I wasn't, we weren't really fans of uh, narrative strips per se. We were more into the humor stuff, you know, Peanuts and BC, Beetle Bailey, uh, Pogo, stuff like that. But there was something about the Phantom that, I mean, compared to stuff like Mary Worth and Rex Morgan, it just seemed just the cream of the crop as far as narrative strips. Yeah. Plus he was the progenitor of all the superheroes and we were really into the superhero Marvel stuff. And so we were, that was a, a big draw for us that he was like the grandfather of all this stuff. Hmm. Hmm. And of course the art was spectacular and uh, well-written. That was when Lee Falk was still doing it. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> just the whole, and the look of the character was very appealing. A lot of, uh, there was a sort of a nice mix between the brawn and uh, the mystery, sort of the specter meets uh, Batman, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, uh, it was we were definitely fans. Cool. Yeah, it it showed in the comic book series that you drew, um, like like little things like the Phantom Law, which had the you know the retelling of the Jungle Patrol origin, which was in trains, or um, Doctor Axel and the birth of uh, you know uh, um, Kit Junior, um, mm -hmm. Childhood of the Phantom in the Hate series, uh, and then of course the the Wedding of the Phantom as well. Um, and then even also the uh, the for those who come in late in each at the beginning of each issue, uh, right? Yeah, it, it could tell that you you knew who the Phantom was, right? And that was uh, Mark's idea to. I mean, we all knew that there were a lot of people that didn't know anything about this character, so that little preface on the first page we thought was important just to make sure that everybody was in the loop. Mm. Yeah, what I what I loved about it is that, like you said, it was good for those who came in late, so to speak. But it was also enjoyable for the older fans who mm -hmm. knew because it was kind of like a nod to them as well, and then they could enjoy it as well. Right. Um, you know, even to this day, I, I I still read it and I enjoy those intro pages because it's so you know. You know the the legacy, the the lore, and all that. It's so it, it's enjoyable. Yeah, just like having a that little brief recap right there. I mean, it's such a compelling origin story, anyway. So it's and uh, it was interesting trying to 
put an original spin on it every time, you know, how can I do it differently and how we can maybe color it differently or whatever. But that was a challenge. Yeah. Well, I, I think you did a very good job of that. Um, oh, great. Thanks. Yeah. No. Um, so do you, do you still read and follow the Phantom now or just casually? Uh, I wouldn't know where to follow him. I'm, is he still in the paper? I yeah. Don't, I don't get Not, the paper. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I could go on King Features website, I guess. They probably have it, right? Yeah, they would, yeah. And uh, I know that still gets printed over on your continent quite a bit, but I don't, I don't see that. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. know where to find that stuff. Yeah. Now, was the other thing that I really, really enjoyed from the series was the, um, the last panel of the whole arc, which was uh, Diana and Phantom kissing at the wedding. Was mm. that... Um, I thought it was a very iconic way of the whole series, how it ended. Was that, was that by design? Did you, um, did you have any input in that or like that, that full page? Uh, I had minimal input. I mean, I think Mark and Bob discussed at the beginning, how can we wrap up this arc? Uh, and I think that's what they landed on. You know, let's let's put that right there at the end, mm. uh, sort of as a big finale. I mean, they didn't know that it was only going to run 13 issues. Yeah. So I think it was, they were kind of forced into it, but yeah, it was a great, ra great way to wrap it up, you know. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that panel's absolutely amazing, That just that full-page panel. And, uh, yeah, I've got it right here. Thank yeah, there it is. Yeah, I like how you've got the light shining through it, and yeah, and that's uh, all this stuff in the background is a toothbrush with ink on it. It's called spatter. <laughs> oh wow! So that's how I got that effect. Yeah, in the ages before computer coloring. You couldn't really do um, gradients, but it came out all right. Yeah. No, I think, um, is there a particular story or a particular page or panel or something that uh, gave you the most satisfaction in, in looking back at the series 30 years later? Uh, always the action scenes. I was always best, I think, at the action. Um, so that's what my eye really gravitates towards. Like, uh, for instance, in this, this is page, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't see the page number, but this is the shot of him. Yeah. So that's where you, that's where the phantoms confronting camel in, yeah. um, in the last issue, in issue 13. Right. And this shot is good. But like I said, always the action stuff is what I enjoy doing the best, the most. Mm. And that's what my, when I look at the old stuff, I, that's what my eye usually goes to. Yeah. 
I didn't think my, uh, <clears throat> the quiet scenes, well, I mean, the quiet stuff is fun. It's a challenge to try to make it interesting, but whenever the figure is in motion, that's, that's, uh, that's what I go for. Yeah. Did you ever receive any feedback for, or comments or, or, any, or even any changes from Lee Fork or King Features during the series, or is it basically? No, they were pretty much hands off. That's always I nice. Think they were, yeah, they were, I think they were just uh, happy to have us, you know, be interested in the character and try to get it out there for, um, mm. for new fans. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, we didn't, at least I didn't, I didn't hear a thing. I'm not sure, I don't, I'm pretty sure Mark and Bob didn't hear anything either. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's always nice, being able just to do your job and, and not having to it come back and changes right. and... Right, that, yeah. There was, that, there was no, there were no redos, no corrections, as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what did, did Mark say he had to submit the scripts to King Features or um yeah so I I, I don't think there was as, there was much as well but I think there was a little bit I think he did receive some uh very good comments and feedback from uh Lee Fork as well um oh, really? I know I've read in an interview that uh Cy Barry really enjoyed your um uh, your take on the Phantom as well hmm. um I met Lee Falk once. It was, uh, I can't remember the year. It might have been 1990, right in the middle of the, <clears throat> this run. And I was at a convention. And there he was. I didn't know he was going to be there. And I thought, wow, I think I'll uh, get, his, get his autograph. So I took the first issue yeah. up to him. And I said, uh, can I get your autograph? And he started signing it. And I said, by the way, I drew this. And uh, he, he looked at me and said, oh, very nice, son. Very nice. So that was a thrill. I wish I still had it. I don't know where it is. Yeah. The, the autographed copy. That would have been a thrill. Did he say anything else about the series or talk about anything <laughs> else? Or? He didn't. Uh, he was sort of surrounded by fans, so he didn't have much yeah. to say but uh he seemed happy with the product as far as i know mm. yeah i've read uh comments that he that he enjoyed it as well and um he enjoyed the take on it and and what you guys did it's um to this day it's still a a sad that it didn't go further than just the 13 issues yeah it's too bad i think the sales just weren't there mm. so they had to cut it short. Yeah. I mean, there's a certain threshold below which uh, it's not economically viable, I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a pity. Um, have, mm -hmm. could, how, so when you were drawing the series, I'm assuming it was done traditionally because it was probably done, it was before the um, computers. So mm -hmm. could you just tell us a little bit about your process? Like, did you start off with thumbnails or... Did you just go straight into pencils and then inks or? Um, 
I think it was, they were full script. So, you know, each page was, Mark would break down panel by panel, the action sequences and the dialogue. So I knew how much room to leave everywhere yeah. for, the, for the copy. Uh, and I'd, normally I would take some typewriter paper and do like a, a rough, just because when you work smaller, you have a better control of the composition. So after that, I would blow it up on, a, uh, on my printer and do it full size, which is about 11, <clears throat> 11 by 17. And uh, after that, I, I think once it was penciled, they would send it to Bob Pinaha, who was the letterer. Then they would send it back to me. This is all, like you said, it's before computers. So we had to send it FedEx or the post office. And so I would get the lettered pages and then ink it and send it to DC or bring it in personally. And from there, it would be, they would, you know, get it colored by Anthony Tallon. Yeah. Who I think lived in Texas at the time. So, you know, we were sort of scattered far and wide. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, I lived in New York. The letterer lived in New Jersey. The colorist lived in Texas. Mark lived in L.A. So it was... <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, pretty weird. Yeah, well, how? (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing when you hear it broken down like that and how far it had to travel. Um, it's amazing, just like that. I I don't know what the mail was like back then, but the mail today, there's you know delays and stuff getting lost, and (laughs) Mm -hmm. so did in your career. Did that ever happen where stuff got lost or delayed and? You had to redo uh, it or? Definitely delayed. I think I just remember one time where stuff got lost, oddly enough. Uh, I can't remember when FedEx got into, when it came into business, but they sort of really helped the comic book industry quite a bit. Because before that, obviously, it was the post office. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But uh, it seems so primitive now, you know, like, what? You have to send it in the mail? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. Because I could just imagine, you know, I, I, remember, reading, I remember reading a story um, uh, from Ed Rhodes, who, who I, know you, um, I know who you communicated with back in the mm-hmm. 90s and early 2000s, where there was actually a couple of daily story strips from when George Olsen and Keith Williams did it and one of them got lost. And so oh. then they had to like redo it and, and stuff like that. So I, wow. it's, yeah, it's, it's, I'm surprised it didn't happen more often. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it just seems like there's all kinds of things that could have gone haywire, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how long would a, like, I guess, how long would a story take? Because you were the sole, the sole artist of this series, and the series came out once a month. Did you right. 
did you start the series like six months before it came out and there was already three or four? Did you did you have a month to get the whole comic finished or do you remember anything uh, about the timelines? I think we were... Wow, I can't remember. I, at least a month ahead. Yeah. Um, I think we might have had two issues totally complete before the first one was printed. So that gave us a little bit of a, uh, a head start. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, once you fall behind, it's just so hard to try to get up, get back on schedule. Mm. So, yeah, I think pretty much every book that DC put out was at least two months ahead because, you know, just yeah. so, so, uh, yeah, that made it easier. There was less pressure. Yeah. To try to meet the deadline. Mm. So, do you remember how long it would take you to kind of, you know, go from doing the roughs to the pencils and then getting back? With like how how long it took you? How long, you know, a page yeah. took you in a day? Or I would say, since I was inking it myself, the pencils didn't have to be really, really tight, so I could do them in a week. The whole then, story uh, in a week. Yeah. Oh, wow. And that's, uh, what, 22 pages, I think? Yeah, about that, yeah. Uh, so it would take no, <clears throat> no more than a week. And then it would take Bob probably four or five days. No, it's got to be more than that. Probably took him a week, too. Because he had other stuff. Letterers usually letter like two or three books a month. So after then I'd get it back from him after a week and then uh, the inks would take probably two and a half weeks. And obviously the colorist would be the one who really had to turn it around pretty quickly. That would be, so it took Tony, I don't know, three days, four days. Wow. To color it. Yeah. So that's about a month. Yeah. Two and a half. Just, yeah, just just over a month, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not much time for uh, for stuff to get lost in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a tightrope, you know? Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy it? But are, you, are you still drawing comics now? or? Yeah. I'm... Um working with a guy who I met at there's this annual dinner called friends of the phantom, which yep. Ed was and Pete were part of, and I haven't been to the last two, I think, but uh, I met this guy at one of those dinners and uh, he wanted to start his own comic line. So I'm, we're working together. Oh, nice. Uh, is there anything you can share? Do you want to give it a plug on the on the podcast? Yeah, the um, the website is MR Comics and Art. I okay. think that's what it is. Cool. Well, we'll make sure we'll put a, a, a link to it um, okay. in the notes and the article and stuff like that as well. 
Awesome. So, is it is it a, a comic series that you're drawing for uh, with it, or is it uh, some other stuff that you're doing? These are all his characters. Uh, he comes out with an anthology every year, so it's uh, it's not like a high pressure situation or anything. Okay, cool. But uh, there's like a dozen different characters involved. Yeah. So do you prefer doing that now than the the pressure of working for like a the major publishers like a DC and Marvel and stuff? Um, well, when you're young and full of, you know, piss and vinegar, it's, <laughs> it seems, <laughs> it seems uh, not so much of a chore, you know, when you're the deadlines, I guess. Mm. But now that I'm older... I, I don't think I'd enjoy that too much, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, you've when you're older, you've you know, you've got wife, you've got kids, and uh, exactly. and stuff like that. And um, you know, they take up a little bit more time than when you're uh, single and can mm-hmm. s- can can survive on four hours of sleep and <laughs> right and ramen noodles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah, ramen noodles out. Uh, we call them um, over here. They're meagerine. We call them meagerine noodles. But yeah, meagerine. Yeah, meagerine. So same type of thing. Uh, it's but yeah, uh, it's just yeah, the little instant noodles and little sachets. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think they're every um, staple of every good bachelor. <laughs> right. Um. So did uh, um. I was going to say. So one of the questions that we've, that we've received from some of our listeners and some of our fans uh, and fans of The Phantom was that they've all said, and uh, we raised this with Mark as well, that there needs to be a, like a, a, a trade paperback or a collected edition of this series. Um, I guess hopefully someone will listen to this and go, oh, that's a brilliant idea. So do you, I'm assuming you still have some original art and do you have like any phantom work in, in case a publisher does contact you and say, do we have some extra bonus materials to include in the um, collected edition? Um, I've got some drawings I did, uh, sample pages I did for, um, before I got the job, they, they just asked to see some, you know, how I would handle the character. Yeah. So I think I've got a few of those sitting around, but uh, I don't have, like, a com- all the art. I've sold a lot of it. Yeah. There's a guy in Australia who just bought a huge, a huge uh, piece. I don't know if you know him, Bradley Peach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know Bradley. Uh, everyone knows Bradley. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a good guy, Bradley. Um, he's got lots of money to burn as well. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> I should charge him more next time. <laughs> oh, when he listens to this, he'll uh, he'll send me a message and say, "Oi, don't, don't tell him to charge me more." <laughs> <laughs> you let the cat out of the bag, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, he's a good guy, Bradley. He, um, uh, I'm I'm sure he would have told you, but he's got the the submarine from the Phantom movie. He's got he, the submarine. Yeah, the submarine from the Phantom movie in his backyard. 
Holy crap. <laughs> how did they, how did he manage to get that? Uh, it was because a lot of the movie was filmed in Australia and it was um, just sitting in a backyard type of thing. And um, he f- uh, we found it on eBay and uh, he managed to talk his lovely wife, Joyful, into um, purchasing it. And then it took him about two years to restore it. And um, yeah, they've uh-huh. done, a, done a great job of it. It's, uh, it's next to his pool. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> next time you talk to him, uh, tell him, Ask him about the submarine. He'll love that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so a lot of those questions that we just asked was from Andreas. So thank you, Andreas, for that. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Because uh, you said before that the series stopped, I guess, you know, uh, not, not expected or wasn't intended to be stopped at issue 13. Do you remember, like, what was next? You know, like, what, had they planned more than just the 13 issues or um, did you do any more drawings for any other issues and then or was it kind of like you finished 13 and then that was it and then you I moved on? I think we on? got, uh, yeah, I think we heard about um, the projected end of the series yeah. when we were doing like nine or ten so we knew uh, yeah. like three issues out that it was going to be wrapping up so if if mark might may well have had more ideas you know yeah and uh coming down the pipeline but uh yeah i don't know if he had more scripts sitting around waiting yeah. to be drawn or I'm pretty sure he just wrote what was in, intended and that was it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, bummer. Kind of hoping there might have been a, a secret 14 issue or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when you look back at the series, do you, um, you know, like where does it rate, you know, you've, you've had a, you've had a, a highly credit, credited and, and long career, where does it rate amongst everything you've done? Oh, pretty, it's pretty near the top. I mean, since I was a fan when I was a kid, it was such a thrill, you know, being able to finally get to do that. In fact, now that I think about it, the first comic sample I ever did was a phantom. I did it in college. It was a phantom page. And uh, I believe this was when Charlton was publishing the character. Do you remember uh, that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't remember it, but uh, (laughs) I wasn't around then. But, yeah, that was the 60s and 70s Charlton. Yeah. I would have to look it up on uh, online, but I think Charlton at the time was uh, doing a series. Yes. So this would have been 1979, I think. Yep. I was getting a little bored with college, so I thought, you know, why not? Why not just try to break into comics? So that's. Uh, it's funny. I just remembered that. Yeah. Wow. But yeah. This it was definitely uh, one of the highlights. 
Yeah, and I, I guess, unfortunately, the Phantom's not popular. So I guess for an American fan to be able to to be able to create it, it that hasn't happened for a lot of uh, a lot of American creators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. We're sort of a select bunch, you know. Yeah. How many? Uh, how long has the Phantom been published in Australia? Uh, continuous since nineteen forty nine. Really? Yeah. That's as a comic book. Yeah, as a comic book. Yeah. Wow. Same publisher. Uh, yes, same publisher. Free. Huh. And how many copies? You know, do you know how many it sells? Oh, uh, how many it sells per issue? Um, I don't know at the at the moment. I think um, in the mid nineties, I believe I've read somewhere and I've heard stories that it was about thirty thirty thousand per issue. Hmm. Um, now, uh, at a pure at a, at an estimated guess, maybe. I don't know, maybe eight to 15, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I haven't been able to uh, get that out of the owners of Fruit. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, so it's, it's not as popular as it has been, but um, I, you know, I think it's, I believe it's still strong enough and there's still enough interest. You know, we get listeners to the podcast and the website and stuff like that. And people, you know, so there's definitely enough hardcore fans out there. Right. So, yeah, and then uh, and then Sweden uh, has been publishing continuous and, since 1950. So it's their 70th year this year. Uh, so I think Fru's up to about just under 1,900 issues. And Sweden's at about, I believe it's about 1,700 issues. That's amazing. Yeah. Is that like a record for a character over there? I mean, is there anything else been printed for that long? Not in Australia. To be honest, it might have, it would probably be up there in the, uh, probably anywhere, really, I would assume. Because, um, you know, DC and Marvel, there's a lot of characters there, but a lot of the times they stop and then restart and get relaunched. And Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I can't think of one in, in the States that's been around and that's been published since 49. That's uh, Mickey Mouse, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's yeah, it's it's quite a lot, and as as you can see, you know, behind me and and there's more in front of me and all that as well. There's been a lot of stuff that's been um, you know, yeah, created and stuff as well. So, paraphernalia, yeah, those like uh, toys in the background. Yeah, so then there's cards, and then there's books, and lunch boxes, and there's some drawings and stuff up there. And, yeah. Yeah, so there's all that type of stuff as well. So it's um, you know, uh, it's the fan has been published in what six? Uh, yeah, probably fifty to sixty different countries and as well. So comics and newspapers and that as well. Um, 
And then I believe, I'm just going to confirm, but I actually believe that um, uh, your story's been published elsewhere around the world as well. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think in, in Europe it's been, in Spain. Yeah. So it's been published in Norway and Brazil as well. Hmm. Um, I think I actually, some of the comics that I sent you, I think one of them is actually from Brazil. So, um, okay. yeah, yeah. So that's pretty cool as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, since, since we've been talking and stuff like that, has there been anything that, um, that's jogged the, jogged the memory or, or something you might be interested in sharing with us? Hmm. Well, just looking at my uh, collection, um, I'm struck by what we were talking about at the start about how um, it kind of anticipated lots of stuff that was, that's, you know, still happening. Like... Um, Number six was all about the uh, the environment, yeah. Which is obviously really still out there, the climate change and everything. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I, I marked it a good job of like doing this sort of uh, social commentary stuff, and then mixing it up with like a straight ahead sort of action thing, like the next one. Was just about you know gold miners. So yeah, that's pretty much what I remember about it. It's just a nice mix of uh, writing in there. They they're quite they're quite a heavy read uh, because it's it's almost depressing reading it at times because they're so real. You know, like we're dealing with real life events, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but I liked how yourself and Mark, how you put, you know, the the interactions with there might have, you know, like the wedding, or there might have been, you know, those romantic moments between the Phantom and Diana, and it it you use both you worked very well together as a team, and um, yeah, it was really nice having those moments in between Mm -hmm. the the real bits right yeah this kind of intertwining the lore and the background with uh Mm. contemporary stuff yeah it worked really well i thought yeah no it it did but um yeah it's everyone that i've talked to i i have i've never talked to one person who has not enjoyed the series one fan, right. one Phantom fan. I've never spoken to one Phantom fan who's never enjoyed the series. So, That's um, great. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah. So, are you? Um, so, you said before that you just just wrapping up. Unless there's anything else you wanted to uh, talk about, but you said that um, you've you've been selling some of your original art, um, and I'm also assuming that you're available for commissions as well. If Phantom fans out uh, there want. 
Sure. Yeah. No worries. And uh, what's the best way for them to contact you? Is it via social media or? Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Okay, cool. So they can find me there. I don't, I don't get on Facebook too much. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I would say Instagram. <clears throat> awesome. Or contact, contact someone who's been in contact with me. Like if, Somebody yep. knows Bradley, for instance. Yep. Oh, yeah. If there's someone out there, we can, um, uh, if someone's interested in getting in contact with Luke, we've got, uh, we've got your email address as well. And, um, right. So, yeah. So, and we will include your uh, Instagram uh, profile with um, the, the uh, comic uh, publisher that you're working with as well. So, people will be able to see what you're currently working on and as well as, see your Instagram profile mm-hmm. as well. Awesome. Um, well, I really enjoy your time. Um, um, is, there, is there anything else that um, we might have missed or, or anything else that you wanted to quickly, uh, anything else you wanted to say? Uh, hmm. I think that's pretty much it. Um. Yeah, it was just, uh, it's nice to have people still remember you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Something that I did, gosh, was it 30 years? No, it was 1989, so 40 years ago. No, 30, sorry. Yeah, 30 years ago. But it's such a resilient character, obviously, you know, people keep, keep wanting to read stories about them. So it's like whoever was, uh, had anything to do with it is, I guess is going to be remembered. Mm. This was a good one too. I like that a lot. The story or the, the story. Yeah. Yeah. The covers very, um, powerful as well. I don't know if people know this, but this cover was uh, started. If you see in the side, it says LM, then JK in parentheses. It's because I took it from Joe Kuber. Oh. It, was a, it was a Tarzan cover. Oh, wow. Which, uh, people could probably, I can't remember the number, but uh, it's a direct swipe of a Joe Kuber Tarzan cover. <laughs> oh wow it's a little trivia there yeah yeah I, I didn't know that one before so um, you know it's one of the things I love talking about creators is because you know they give you these little um, these little tidbits a little bit of information that you didn't know and mm-hmm. and you, and you kind of you know get behind the mind of of the creators and you know why they've why they've done certain things and yeah, I think um, Joe Cuber was actually the guy who I was trying to, I don't know what you'd call it, channel the most while I was doing this. Just because I was such a fan of his uh, Tarzan stuff. And I thought, you know, Tarzan, Phantom, very similar characters. So that's, looking back, I'm, 
amazed at how much Hubert influenced me in, when I was doing this. Hmm. I don't know if you, are you familiar with his work? Vaguely. I'm not a, you know, I will, I, I've seen his work and I know who he is and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I'm pretty much solely a, a phantom reader, if that kind of makes sense. Is Tarzan big over there or no? No, not 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 really. Um, huh. Not like, not like the Phantom. No. Um, one of the reasons I guess the Phantom was or is as popular in Australia is um, the early before Free. It was published in a women's weekly magazine, and they actually modified the story so the Phantom and Diana came from Australia instead of New York and America and all that. So, uh, so it's, um, and it was, the comics were distributed in our show bags. And so there's, you know, it's very ingrained in our, in our culture in a sense. Right. Interesting. It's funny how it just took root over there, you know, just, yeah. And then, yeah, didn't as much in America. And, but then you look at it in places like Sweden as well, where it's, you know, arguably, and even India as well, where arguably, you know, it, it's as strong in their culture as it is as, as Australia as well. Mm -hmm. Isn't there a story about in World War Two when... Uh... Sweden was under Nazi occupation. Uh, obviously, they were censoring everything, but they allowed like the Phantom Strip to be printed there or something. Yeah, so and they were getting this propaganda from the Nazis that America was destroyed, and then they saw the Phantom Strip and they thought, "How could it that be?" You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I believe that was Norway, which is Norway. Sweden okay. was. Um, hopefully, I get this right, and I don't get. Uh, corrected from our Swedish listeners, but I believe Sweden was neutral during the Second World War, um, oh, really? and, Nor and Norway was um, occupied. And uh, there's even a, whether it's true or not, but it's a great story, there's even a story that the phantom, the word, was used as a password in, um, in the underground right. as well. I think I've heard that. Yeah. Huh. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, um, and then even during when Italy, say, for instance, was fighting, they were still printing the Phantom and stuff as well. So during the Second right. World War. So, yeah. So, you know, you could, um, you could argue that, you know, it's, um, it, it's That's played a, yeah. And then there's a story with uh, Papua New Guinea, which is an island just north of Australia. Uh, the Americans and Australians were there and they had their comic strips and comics and and so there's a huge the Phantom's quite popular over there as well because you know mm. they saw you know the Phantom who was helping the natives and protecting the natives and so they've put them on their war shields and, and they use them ah. as a protector and stuff like that as well so mm. yeah <laughs> he has an amazing history, you know. Yeah, he does. So uh, he like helped win the war or something. I guess you could say. 
basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's, you know, not just not the Phantom. You've got, you know, um, when America didn't jump into the World War too straight away, you know, some people, create. you know, as the story goes, you know, they created Captain America and stuff like that to help, you know, beat the Nazis and stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, and then the Phantom was, you know, uh, some people could say it was influential at the end of the Great Depression, just before the World, uh, World War Two and stuff like that as well. So, um, yeah, you know, I guess comic strips and media and stuff like that, you know, can play an, an important role. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hmm. So who did that poster on your, over your left shoulder? That... Uh, which, sorry, which one? Is it that one there? The one on the corner? Is it the one where my finger is? Yeah. Okay, so that one was uh, actually painted by my stepfather, who's an artist. That's oh, the really? Phantom Riding Hero. Um, it was in the back of a free comic, uh, and he painted that one for, um, for my birthday. <laughs> Probably maybe 20 years ago, I guess, now. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. That's nice. Yeah, he... Um, he he's got a he's got a rather unique style uh, with the the um, the belt. Instead of drawing the skull in the belt buckle, he draws a smiley face. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's funny. Yeah. Well, I, re- I really enjoy spending time with you uh, this morning yeah, for you and and this evening for myself, Luke. Um, thank you for making yourself available. Um, uh, I hope I didn't take you away too much from your family and, and breakfast and yeah, stuff I, like I didn't that. I think I'd have an hour's worth of stuff to say, but it looks like I did. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 When it, it, it's amazing when you talk to Phantom, uh, you, you find a lot in common and you can just rattle on quite a lot. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I really enjoy spending time with you. Um, now, if you love what we do, listeners, uh, you can let us know via our social media accounts, uh, which are Facebook, chroniclechamber.com. Uh, we're also on the Phantom Collector group. Uh, Twitter uh, is at chronicle underscore tweet. Instagram, which is at chronicle chamber. YouTube, which is just search for chronicle chamber. Uh, this podcast will be on YouTube as well. Uh, and then everything we do is on our website, which is chroniclechamber.com. So, again, thank you, listeners. Uh, Thank you, Luke. Um, And until next time, happy phantoming. All right, take it easy. 500 years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty. And all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this Man cannot die. The Phantom, the ghost who walks. The Phantom, enemies beware. The Phantom's always there, but you won't find the Phantom. He finds.